welcome to episode one of Strange Brow Radio. I'll be your host, Tobe Johnson, here in perpetuity from the bowels of the Pacific Northwest, the comforts of my humble abode. It's nice to have everybody aboard here. Along the way, I'll explain the format of the show. I guess with a name like Strange Brow, you could probably draw a lot of conclusions, some which would be foreign in nature, including the word brow. We'll talk more about that and also talk about the owl moon prints, which I think need to be given some context here right out of the gate and what they are. But first, I want to thank our lovely sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. That's Feral, F-E-R-A-L by Aaron, E-R-Y-N at Etsy.com. Shaman-inspired drums, rattles, smudge sticks made in the beautiful Olympic Peninsula by Aaron Jackson. Check out her store. Gorgeous functioning museum quality, powerful spirit tools. That's Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. As I said, when you've tuned in to episode one of Strange Brow Radio, I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. And today we're going to be talking about, well, we're going to give some context to who I am, what the show's about why you should listen to it, and what are the owl moon prints. So, along the way, you may have some questions here. Well, you can get in touch with me with any of those questions at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. And brow is spelled, well, not how it sounds. It's B-R-A-U, strangebrowradio at gmail.com. And there's also strangebrow.com. Soon to be strangebrowradio.com. And be happy for you to come take a look. We have a lot going on here. And we're going to discuss some of the things that we have going on at Strange Brow live events at the Axe and Fiddle in Cottage Grove, Oregon. You can read more about that at the website. As I said, my name is Tobe Johnson, born and raised here in the Pacific Northwest, mainly. The Willamette Valley Corridor, which is a section of Oregon, best known for a lot of rain. I was born here back in 74 and stayed till, what is it now, 2018. Left periodically, and along the way, did a little time in the service, got myself the GI Bill and went to school as a, actually a technical theater design major at the University of Oregon. Uh, we could kind of see that that didn't play out very well. But one of the things it did was all of this grand financial aid and student loan money and GI Bill cash. And I started to uh, want to do conferences based upon the paranormal aspect. And one thing I was leaning for was Sasquatch, uh, in particular, interviewing witnesses, getting to know witnesses, talking more to people in the know about how to have a sighting and where to look for the most current sighting. I call these guys ambulance chasers today, people that run out the back door and leave all their responsibilities to hide uh, behind to, to have a, a new hobby. And so I was one of those guys for you know more than a couple of years. Brought my son along with me, and um, turns out that the Bigfoot phenomena is very real. But... 
there's other things that are very real too. And they seem to party in the same atmosphere. And this gets into what John Keel uh, was talking about in the Mothman prophecies, this, uh, what he would call, um, you know, the serendipitous effect of uh, the, all these windows and doorways that appear in Bigfoot areas. And so that uh, it got me started on, on thinking that there was more than one explanation for how they've eluded us for so long. And I talked to more and more witnesses that said, absolutely right, this is as a supernatural connection. So what I'm trying to say is that Sasquatch was basically the building block of weirdness in which I, I built off of. And that would have been circa probably 2005 where that really kicked into gear. By 2010, I was putting on full-blown conferences here in Lane County. And I put in two and a half of them. And uh, then I started a smaller conference that we call Bigfoot and Beer, which is kind of what Strange Brow is today. The idea is that you put some comfortable witnesses in and amongst like-minded people, kind of tucked away in some pub. In that case, Bigfoot and Beer was in an old pizza parlor at the uh, McKenzie Cascade area called uh, Ike's Pizza. And we were having a lot of fun. We even got some press coverage. We got the TV crew to come in. And it's really the kind of the first town hall style meeting in a, in a bar or a pub that I had known about regarding especially Sasquatch. Because then it was just kind of theme oriented towards that one subject matter. Well, um, I took school more serious, ended up getting married. Uh, other things began to occur outside of that and um, ended up taking a little bit of a break. But then um, the London tracks happened and that was a series of footprints in the Cottage Grove lake bed that a bunch of people were involved with. But mainly it started off with some photographs from a reputable source uh, and the source gave the photographs to my son through a series of weird events. And so after that, um, I had noticed that there was extreme interest in finding these uh, straight line trackways because they're fairly rare to see long versions of them, especially in the silt and mud, and let alone cast 122 prints. Now there's people on the fence about whether or not these tracks are legit. Uh, living in and amongst the people of Cottage Grove, there's more to be told about the London trackway than a lot of people uh, give it credit to. And maybe we'll come back to that in a future story. But as I was saying, the peripheral issues of Bigfoot started to really envelop me and those around me. After the tracks were discovered, there was what we call a, a paranormal Sunday, which was, you know, five days prior, we were in the mud casting all these Bigfoot prints. There was about 15 of us from different parts of the corners of the state and some of us stayed behind after everybody left a big rainstorm enveloped and five or six of us headed up the mountain where there had been reports before and I was all too eager rain, snow, didn't matter uh, late hours to head up uh, into an area that was active so around 11.01 we had found ourselves on the side of a mountain there had been recent activity some people walked one way. I walked a different way with um, a guy 
that I'll just say was and still is in charge of uh, medical services in um, in and around Oregon. So he definitely didn't scare very easy. In fact, he brought his co-worker with him who had split up and gone a different way. By 11.02, this guy was so scared for his life and um, uncomposed that he ran down the mountain and he ran with his head tucked in his shoulders, grabbed his buddy and and left in a hurry. The things he said to me that I remember for no particular reason were very odd. We walked up the side of a hill. He looked to me, standing on my right side, looked to the left and said, why am I going to cry? There's somebody here. They don't want me to come any farther. What's going on? What's going on? I'm going to puke. Why am I going to puke? I can't move. I can't go any farther. And then he ran down the mountain and left. That left me and three other people there. One by one, people started getting picked off this mountain. And it was for weird reasons, reasons that I couldn't see. But uh, other people claimed to have seen things, but I really didn't hear anything. There came a point where there was this unforeseen force that I recall in the forest that seemed to slow time. And there's really no other way to say it. It was like a vertical wall of jello. I don't if you've ever seen maybe the movie The Abyss, an old James Cameron sci-fi movie where there's a vertical wall of water and you're able to kind of walk in and around this water and walk out of it. That's what it felt like. It felt like um, slightly incapacitated, but not dangerous or scary, just uh, tolerating you enough to kind of check you out. And if I were to say that we were scanned, um, that might be the right word to use. I think that we were kind of being scanned by something. And then as quick as that feeling came, it left. It's as though we walked out of a time bubble, something we couldn't see, some something we could only feel. And then another person got picked off. In fact, the guy that got picked off was ready to throw his sidearm into the trees and run down the mountain on behest of something that was speaking to him that we couldn't hear that said, they don't want you to have guns. We don't want you to have guns, rather. So that was really my immersion into the weirdness. Before that, I was kind of teetering with it. But see, there's a price to pay with friends and with family if you lean too hard into this paranormal, magical world. And I just wasn't ready to do it. Well, at that point, I'd watched good men go down, and I had to kind of make a choice whether or not to talk about this more, to keep it to myself, to kind of hang out at the right side of the lunch table, so to speak. Well, it took me a couple of years, but eventually I decided that that's where mainly all the fun is, mainly all the truth is, and that's kind of where everybody really is. Even the ones that don't say it, don't speak it, really are already there. And uh, it just takes a little glass of, oh, I don't know, red wine or PBR and a late night to get these stories out of these guys and gals. So now let's fast forward to Strange Brow 2018. Um, I find myself with a little bit more time and a great desire to reboot Bigfoot and Beer into something I'd always want it to be, which is a large paranormal conversation, but with kind of Sasquatch deep-rooted in it. 
So that's our logo. Strange, obvious, brow meaning the German reiteration of a brew or brow, uh, the brow house, a pub, basically. And then our moniker, our logo, which is a profile of a tribal Sasquatch head um, worked on by Alicia Bateman, who's a fantastic artist out of the Olympic Peninsula. And check her out. I think she did some of the uh, graphic drawings for Tom Powell's books. That's how I discovered her. And so we kind of worked on a piece together, came up with this drawing. And then in the middle of the head, I drew what looks like a spiral. Well, that spiral is pretty important because it really is kind of the spiraling effect that once you get involved with Sasquatch they have on you, this other weird stuff starts to occur that seems totally unrelated. And it just brings you into this confusing world of more questions and answers. So, I think it was March 2018, we met up at a place called the Axe and Fiddle Pub in Cottage Grove, Oregon. Historic, really cool old bar. Uh, Just loads of history. Turns out loads of ghosts, too. But we'll bring that up at a different podcast. Um, They were nice enough to allow us to speak there. And so as... Our first meeting happened in March. Um, I was also meeting a new friend who just moved into Cottage Grove. His name's Daryl Adams and Cindy Adams. Yes, the Adams family. And they uh, had befriended me and uh, kind of taken me in as a, you know, a recently divorced uh, dude. (laughs) Trying to get his feet back on his ground, but also trying to find his bliss and passion here. And so I uh, hung out with Daryl and Cindy on their property. And we wandered, one day we wandered up to uh, an area where Daryl had suspected maybe there was some Sasquatch signage. Maybe we'll call them stick structures. And he's also doing an elk hunt on March 31st, 2018. There was a plot of land that he had been granted permission to do a hunt. And underneath this full moon on the owl moon, it's also the name of that particular full moon, uh, Good Friday before Easter, I saw two divots in the mud. I was sitting in the passenger side of the car. I had my camera with me, but I didn't really have much else. So I told Daryl, get out. We got we to gotta check this out. The two divots uh, looked an awful lot like knee impressions. So rather than speculate what they were or weren't, we decided let's just cast it. Let's roll film. This will be good content for Strange Brown. It'll also be an example of what not to do, what to do, how to collect hair. And yes, there was lots of hair to collect. We did a pretty good job at doing all this. We worked till about midnight, cast impressions, collected hair, um, documented as much as we could, and brought home what looked like a giant plaster chest of Dolly Parton. (laughs) I mean, it was just two giant round divots of plaster just sitting there. Rolled those into the garage, and there they sat for a while while I kind of waited for this hair analyst to come back from a gal named Cindy Dawson. Now, Cindy Dawson is pretty well known up in Washington as the hair analysis analysis go-to gal. She got a hold of the hairs via me, one and a half of them to be exact, and I waited. And I said, Cindy, don't tell me what you find if these come back as a deer or a bear or whatever. Um, I just want you to tell the audience here because we're going to just have some fun with, you know, evidence collecting. So we collected the evidence 
and along the way um, we waited and it came time for Cindy to come on to uh, the big screen which we we do we invite people from all over the world to Skype in or zoom.com and do a video feed with the audience and that's how we close the show Ron Moorhead was in the audience with Carrie Campbell and um, Ron is of course responsible for the samurai sounds or the, the Sierra sounds and Cindy Dawson got on, uh, put her glasses on and grabbed a sheet of paper and said um, the following, that the, the hair samples that she was looking at matched previous examples of reported Sasquatch hair, and it was no known species. But what was really interesting, as far as I'm concerned, is that she said that the hairs came from an extremity. Now, I don't remember for certain if she said a lower extremity, but the fact that she said extremity... Uh, was really curious that A, she could tell, and B, we had suspected that these came from an extremity, and they looked like they were from a knee, a pair of knees. They were uh, posturing in the same way knees would. They had, um, you know, animation to them in the clay that you could pick out. Skin folds, you could see where a possible ACL was, and a kneecap, and tendon placement, and bone, and hair flow, and Skin. It was just as pretty as a picture. So we we had a big party, of course, after <laughs> hearing that. And there the knees sit on the stage, right, as the whole crowd's looking up at like, well, who are these two weirdos with these Dolly Parton impressions sitting here? Well, it turned out to be the Al Moon Prince and not the Dolly Parton Prince, but that would have been pretty good had there not been a full moon. And uh, so we took those knees back to the house, Daryl's house in particular, and began to examine them over a period of months. Well, as we began to examine them, I was still doing strange brows, still working full time, but I had also um, a deadline to meet regarding building a giant Sasquatch rendition for Ron Moorhead. We were having like a, a Sasquatch party for him uh, based upon his book Quantum Bigfoot which if you haven't read please go read Quantum Bigfoot so we're having a Quantum Bigfoot conference and I wanted to build Ron a Bigfoot built him a uh, life-size Sasquatch uh, with all the fixings and as we started to build it Daryl invited me to move basically onto the property brought my trailer parked it next to the shop it's brand new, beautiful shop. Just, you know, brand new, brand new. Like less than a week old after I got there. And as soon as we got there, weird things started to happen. As soon as I got there, strange things started to occur. To the point where we kind of questioned one another whether or not the other person was doing it as a joke. So, for example, strange things would start to show up on the doorstep or on the canopy of my trailer, which is just a piece of you know, six-foot vinyl that sloughs down. Um, weird things like carnelian stone, um, a fishing bobber, um, little tiny trinkets. Uh, at one point, there was um, a giant rock that was placed uh, in the dirt, but the, I'm sorry, in the gravel. And it wasn't just a rock. It was a large piece of quartz that was kind of shoved into the gravel in an obvious place in front of the trailer. So... We started to leave out a recorder, left out a recorder in the front yard and the backyard with a parabolic mic, and we started to find that there were sounds. Uh, we sent those sounds off to uh, David Ellis, 
up in Whidbey Island. He was a part of the Olympic project. He took a look at some of the sounds, found a lot of them to be interesting, incredible. And so David and I started to form this friendship. Um, meanwhile, Scott Taylor, um, a BFRO investigator, uh, also um, a damn good mathematician who works at uh, Boeing, uh, started to do a weight displacement measurement over just how big the object was that left the knee impressions. And the best way to do that was to calculate my own impression in the same spot. And that way we could take a differential in volume. And we did it three different times, took three different measurements, sent them off the numbers, took a look at them, came back with three different calculations that, you know, pretty much the last calculation I did is as close as we can get without me coming there and doing it myself with my own knees. But if you did it the way you did it, and I'm looking at what I'm looking at, then this is the number of the, the pounds that was used to cause those impressions. And it came back plus or minus 12 or 1300 pounds. Way too big for, you know, a typical ungulate. Way too big for a lot of things, right? Well, then the Bigfoot stuff really started to happen. Uh, we'd find large finger impressions on the door jam in a new garage. We'd find large fingerprints on the bed of the truck after ripping off the bungee cord from the bed of the truck. Um, we'd find uh, pieces of the fence I had been bent over, and mainly the T-post in the backyard, where we would find hair on the top of the, the metal fence, uh, long, strangly hair in some cases, with fecal matter caked to it, kind of dangling over some of the bent T-posts. There's also hair in the back of my trailer, shoved into one of the seams, where there were rocks being thrown at it nightly. But then all the things started to change. We started to see lights out in the woods, which I'd seen before. These ones um, would show themselves mainly in the pond or swamp area. The neighbors were talking uh, to us finally, which they didn't do it at first. But that was only because we were kind of new blood on the scene. Daryl had only been there for about a year. And um, they started talking about, uh, oh... One example was the neighbor went out to the woodshed and was followed back to his house in the dark by um, an upright bear with shoulders and bright blue glowing eyes that approached him. The other example was the woman in the yurt that lives behind the house up on the hill had pine cones thrown vertically, I'm sorry, horizontally at her house. Then her father, who lives down the old skid road, went out and found that his cat was missing. And the cat went missing for a while. And one day he goes to the back patio and there's the cat with a squished head just laying there. So, weirdness really started to erupt. Then we started to find objects inside the garage when it was locked. Little toys. In particular, the first one was a little blue velociraptor. Um, like you'd find in a bag full of dinosaurs at a, a five and dime store. Uh, just a baby blue velociraptor sitting dead center on one of the sh shelves in the locked garage. There was um, one of the tiny little toothbrushes I would use to wet and scrub some of the mud off of the kneecaps to look for dermals. One day we found that sitting right on top of one of the kneecaps, just resting. I know I didn't put it there. And one day I found a piece of petrified wood sitting in my sink. 
It was about, uh, I don't know, an inch and a half long, still kind of wet. There was uh, the time when we walked up to the cabin to check the thermal camera that was hidden, pointing out on the property. And as we looked at a now malfunctioning thermal camera, something came running behind Daryl, full speed, uh, totally invisible, and jumped into the bushes. It was uh, very loud, very big. Then there was a time where Daryl and his my son saw a pixelated predator image standing in one of the artesian uh, well springs that we have hidden in the blackberry bushes. There's rain that uh, started to fall in the middle of summer on your shoulders. You could feel it, and it would just kind of follow you around for a little bit in certain areas. We could never figure that one out. Then there was, um, well, strange drive-bys at night. Cars that would come by, kind of sit there and idle their engine and then peel off. There's a lot, and I'm skipping a lot of it just because of time. The point is is that um, there's over 1,400 hours worth of audio that was recorded. There was multiple witnesses, multiple confirmation. Um, we even got language at one point. We were sleeping inside uh, the garage on my last night there, and um, a piece of 18-inch paracord was thrown at my recorder while we slept. Uh, I woke up to see it just laying there next to my Tascam on a tripod. It was woven together like a woman's braid, and went back and reviewed the audio to see if we could find out who walked into the garage and threw this at the recorder because there we both lay and right before this uh, paracord was dropped on the recorder we get the sound of what sound like two Native American women um, I would just say an unknown language of mystery women having a full on conversation right there right amongst us without us knowing while we slept it's about 25 seconds long it involves two or three women. In a way, it sounds like a classic EVP. It erupts and then it ends abruptly like a signal. And there's nothing we can do about it. I have no idea what that is. We've caught that at least on three other occasions. The last one was even only a couple days ago, which would have been around the 29th of January, 2019, where we caught inside this locked garage the sound of 1930s jazz music. So... A lot of this could be noise contamination, could be hoaxing, could be a lot of different things. But when you take the totality of it every day for 90 days, and then some of the things we've seen with our own eyes, the physical evidence, the handprints, the scat, the hair, the knees, um, the photographs that we have of what looked like to be um, UFOs in the vicinity of the game cam, um, Photographs of what seemed to be a hairy breastplate pressed up one of the game cams for over 30 frames. And we can watch as the game cam temperature, because it has a temperature gauge, start to spike as this hairy-looking chest leans up the lens of the game cam. On and on and on and on. And I'm skipping some of the best stories here right now, just for the sake of time. The point is, is that that really dug me in deep to Strange Bow Radio to the point where I was like, well, this needs to be a larger conversation. Uh, more than just once a month. More than, you know, just with 30 or 40 people in a bar. 
let's really amp up our game here and um, enjoy the ride because it seems like we're getting delivered a lot of information. Yeah, but there's so many missing pieces. So for selfish reasons, I'm really asking you, the listener, to say, does any of this sound familiar? And what is your own personal story? Because I think your story may mimic some of the things that we have going on. Maybe it doesn't. But along the way, I think I could use some of the uh, information that you have uh, to help my own cause. And, and maybe along the way we can help you. But we want to do it with a pint in our hand and a smile on our face. So if that's the way we do it, for damn sake, sue us. <laughs> anyway, that's what we're going to do. That's where we'll be in Cottage Grove every second Saturday from 3 to 6 p.m. We're there. Um, we've got lots of guests coming up. You'll find us here on iTunes and soon on Stitcher. And we'll be here uh, probably once a week. And we're going to uh, try to do it even more often. The best way you can help us is to subscribe, like, share, go to Facebook, find all the strange brow radio you can handle. And, uh, you know, get, get us within... Uh, the fold of other podcasts here so we can start to do other things as we grow anyway this has been strange brow radio coming to you leaving you now and we'll be back again next week with a new guest if you'd like to be a guest and have a recommendation do so at strangebrowradio at gmail.com uh, any comments or questions, of course, can be led there. Any questions about upcoming speakers at our live events, some of the merch that we have on, or any of our sponsors there. So, you all have a good evening, and as we say, we'll see you in the trees.